0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast, a member of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football's Republic of Football Podcast Network. As always, I am Carter Spire here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. All right, well, uh, it's May, so naturally you turn your attention to previewing the 2023 football season. So uh, we have... Uh, our old buddy Kevin Fielder of Owls 247 here to talk about uh, FAU with us, uh, part of the uh, triumvirate of Owl teams in the AAC now, so we'll uh, hop on with Kevin in just a second, but first, uh, an exciting announcement.
1: Yeah, very exciting, and so far, I know, I guess we're, what, a couple months now in with our, our partnership with Dave Campbell's, and uh, they've been great to us, and uh, We've tried to be great to them, but they've at least let us stick around so far. But as a part of that partnership, we are this is a first actually for the Roost Podcast. We are pumped to announce our partnership uh, through Dave Campbell's with Homefield Apparel. They are going to be, I guess, the official everything now for the Roost Podcast. Big fans. And and I'm I'm pretty jazzed about this because I already have multiple home field apparel items because they're wonderful. So when that came up and they said, hey, you can now promote them on your podcast, I said, done, where do I sign? So you can now use the code roost, rice podcast. Y'all can remember this, right? Roost, R-O-O, wait, wait, let's try that again. R-O-O-S-T, we'll get there. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, go to Home Field Apparel. You will get a discount on whatever gear you want to purchase. I think that works for rice and non-rice stuff. I believe it and, does, yeah. Yeah, go buy yourself a shirt of literally anything from rice to Slippery Rock to uh, the Colorado School of Mines. They're all wonderful. They're extremely comfortable. I might have to start podcasting and exclusively Home Field Apparel.
0: That's not a bad I'm... idea. No, it's all... Uh, if you're a member of, of weird college football internet, you you are probably familiar with Home Field. But uh, for those not, they are a little company based in Indianapolis that uh, licenses uh, a lot of like retro logos uh, for schools and also does some sort of original designs. Uh, but uh, as Bat mentioned with Slippery Rock, they get a lot of schools, not just uh, the major schools. So they have plenty of like FCS and Division II and Division Three programs. Uh, I, I was pretty pumped. It's been a couple of years now since they they originally announced their Rice collection, but uh, I was really pleasantly surprised when Rice did end up being part of their their lineup at the time. But I have, uh, let's see, I have two T-shirts for them. I have a Rice and an Alabama shirt. I have a Rice hoodie, an Alabama crew neck. I have a University of Hawaii hoodie. Uh, with a beautiful rainbow pattern on it, uh, my in-laws went to to Hawaii, so that that counts as a connection, right? Uh, but it's all oh, there you It's go. all insanely soft and comfortable, so uh, definitely a strong recommend. Uh, the their uh, Rammer Jammer Yellowhammer Alabama shirt is actually a strong part of the inspiration for my having said state bird of Alabama tattooed on my forearm, so. Uh, you could say I've been a fan of home, home Field for a while. So I'm I'm definitely pumped for this partnership.
1: Yeah, and we will remind you time and time again for this. But yeah, first time, orders 15% off. Use the code ROOST. Go get you some new stuff and uh, send it to us. Let us know uh, what you picked and what you're wearing. And uh, we will have, I'm sure, plenty to share ourselves. We're pumped. This is an exciting time for us. I You know, I didn't kind of... Uh, way too heavily into, I didn't want to go find some random, random, random somebody so that we could hawk it on the podcast to get a couple nickels. Uh, we actually love home field already. So this, this fitting together uh, is pretty exciting. So we get to talk about uh, cool, comfortable college football clothing. That was some alliteration there. And uh, we get to talk about actual football. So it's a good day in the roost household. We're pretty happy.
0: All right, and we are here now with Kevin Fielder of Owls 247 to uh, talk about FAU. How's it going, man?
2: How's it going, guys? How's it going? It's, uh, it's an exciting time for, I think, both teams because, uh, you know, we're now one of the three owls in the American Athletic Conference, and I'm not saying they have a type, but
1: they have a type. We well, haven't interfaced like... with any Temple folks yet.
0: Yeah, no. But... <laughs> it It's a missed opportunity. It will be a great shame if at some point uh, in the next couple of years, as Kennesaw State makes the transition, that we don't uh, poach them from the Sun Belt. Because, you know, if you're going to have three of the, what now, four FBS Owl teams, you might as well go for the fourth. Let's just like, get
2: the fourth.
0: got to complete the set. We can't be territorial at this point. We just have to embrace our our Owl brethren.
2: I I, I joked that when, at, when they announced that FAU and Rice were joining the Athletic, Ah uh, they should do a a yearly trophy like uh like the service academies do, and instead of like it being something related to the military, it's just a giant owl, and we can make it as poorly made as we want, <laughs> like we can really embrace it and make it like really poorly made, or we can like go get some like really well done like professional sculpture of an owl.
0: Yeah. Is but, this like a, a golden boot, uh, you know, with LSU in Arkansas where it's like a, a titanic golden statue? Or is it one of those big tin trophies that looks like it was like super glued together out of old furniture from your granddad's basement?
2: I would argue group of five means it has to be the latter because everything <laughs> in the group of five needs to be unhinged and look like someone made it two days before hey, it was due.
1: Don't let my, Mike Oresco hear you saying that. He'll get on to you. Mike. You're not even. Love we're Mike. not even all the way in the conference. Yet. Love Mike. Love Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the real question is, what is the midpoint between uh, Temple, FAU, Kennesaw, and Rice? Would that be like? Uh, oh jeez, I was going to say na- I was going to say right. Nashville, but it might be Tuscaloosa. <laughs>
2: Honestly, it may end. It may. End. God,
1: uh, let me pull... We'll have out. an annual Parliament <laughs> of the Owls. We'll move yeah, as a vote if, you add,
0: if you add Kennesaw in there, that weights it pretty pretty heavily Southern.
1: Uh, yeah, like, the, the
2: problem is that Temple is just so far out of this in every single way possible.
0: <laughs> well, it's, if you just take the three current ones...
2: Probably Kentucky?
0: Yeah, like, Nash- like Nashville-ish, maybe? Yeah,
2: Frankfurt, Nashville area, like somewhere around there. Maybe we can... Uh, Maybe we can get a deal with the wild cats of Kentucky and just use their use their facilities once a year for some for our gatherings. <laughs> yeah for our
0: for, <laughs> for our our parliament meetings.
1: For our cult meetings, but <laughs> <laughs> see I love this because I was talking with somebody about the conference move and, and they brought it up. They're like what's it like? Are y'all ready for the AAC? And I was like, yeah, I I guess so. And I guess it hasn't fully sunk into me because conversations like this, where we're moving with, or, or at least Rice and FAU, you know, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, it's the same group of schools that I guess I've already familiarized myself with. I already know you guys, all the beat writers. Like we've had these conversations on the podcast before. So at some point, I feel like we're just getting, we're changing from one vaguely geographic based or non-geographic based name to another non-geographic based name.
0: We're just yeah, we're switching flavors of patriotism here. We're going from <laughs> Conference USA to American Athletics. We so. simply well, got and, it, and it's all the old old CUSA teams, right? So yeah. like some of us, yeah, like, it Oh, is. you
1: know, you went off to college and you came back, or we came back. You know, however you want to make the metaphor, but we're all together again. So it doesn't feel that new. It it feels like it's just like they just added
2: six new teams and everyone's like familiar with them and they've already all been best buds since since high school. Uh they all just went to different colleges. Um there
1: there you go. Land the and, plane.
2: This is and good. then and then like USF somehow delve off the rails and we don't know what they're doing now but they're still here. <laughs> I, I don't know why I brought up USF as the team that delve off the rails uh but I, I don't know if it'll fully sink in until we get to F, or, uh AAC conference play. And we're playing someone who isn't one of the five teams that now we're all just way too familiar with. Uh, Yeah, I I think that like when we get to the point where we're like playing Tulane or we're playing Tulsa, and it's like, oh, cool, that's fun. That hasn't happened in six years or seven years. I I hope we do this again sometimes.
0: Like that's a a Rice fan of my era. It's going to be very much like I'm I'm alternating between the recent past and like stepping back ten years because it'd just be like. Here's the the late 2010s CUSA games, and here's the early 2010s CUSA games. It's like, am and I what, what era am I in? Yeah, <laughs> and Charlotte's here too. <laughs> the I, AAC I'm sure,
1: tagline.
2: I, I, I'm sure it feels a little bit more like real for Charlotte because they hadn't get gotten the chance to play some of these teams before. So it's like, ooh, cool, we've never gotten to play this team before, but. I imagine for Rice, it's just like, Hey, what's up, guys? It's been ten years, but I'm glad to be back.
1: Well, and then I guess one of the reasons we want to have you on here is to kind of get the FAU perspective. and you know we we've talked about the I guess the familiarity, but I asked the real question that we can't bury the lead on is is FAU do they still care about football? Or are they a basketball school? And if they use that to kind of paper over whatever has happened in the football program in the past six months, that's half so serious.
2: My my understanding is they are still very much football school. And uh, I, I think they're embracing the whole Final Four run because, hey, man, when your school makes the Final Four, you kind of have to embrace it. And you kind of have to pull every single thing out of it before no one cares about it. And so... I think that it's sort of like a thing of like we're going to embrace this for as long as we can because it's the single greatest thing to happen to FAU athletics in the time that it's been a thing and that the university has been a thing. And so now we need to figure out how we can make it related to football because that's really what's ultimately going to drive this. That's what got FAU into the American. And so. Like to say they're a basketball school, I don't necessarily agree with like are they probably better at basketball than they are at football right now? Yes. Um, But they're still very much a football school and they're going to, excuse me, put resources towards football because that's what ultimately sells in South Florida and sells in, in, you know, the scope of college athletics. So it'll be interesting to see how they can sort of use what FAU men's basketball did and try and pull that into football as much as possible because If you can find some sort of middle ground between those two where they're both competitive and they're both putting together great, legitimately great seasons, you have the recipe to be like a truly marquee uh, at university in the American. Because I think we've seen these teams of like Memphis have really good football seasons and really good basketball seasons, and they're obviously known for being a basketball school. Uh, and then you have like an SMU who's like known for being a football school, but they've been pretty good at basketball too. Uh If you can find one who's like good at the same time, if FAU you can win eight games this year in football and still make it to the sweet 16 uh or the elite eight of the men's uh of the men's NCAA tournament, like that's where you start putting yourself as like the marquee program in the American.
0: Yeah. You know, especially in a place like South Florida, you know, there's such a, uh, a vacuum there in terms of football, just no major college football programs in the Miami area. So uh,
2: yeah, I mean, you know, it there's, was...
0: there's really a, a place for you to step into there.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, I am unfortunately a Miami fan and <laughs> I, I say, unfortunately a lot because, well, I don't know if we all watched their game against middle Tennessee last year, uh, but it was not good. Um, But like
0: this area, Look, is... I'm, I'm a graduate of a tiny private school in a major <laughs> metropolitan area that's also bad at football. So I get it.
2: <laughs> like I I just think that like this area, South Florida in particular, is begging for good football. And not just high level football like okay, well it's Miami, we're going to go watch Miami. But they're begging for someone who's competitive and someone who can put together games where every Saturday you want to go watch them. And right now they just don't have that. I, I think Miami is slowly taking steps forward to being that again. And I think even to a lesser extent, i am been impressed with what FIU is doing uh, in terms of their rebuild. Uh, and when I say rebuild, I mean complete rebuild. But like this is an area that if you start winning immediately, you're going to get people in the stands because people are going to want to watch competitive football. And they're going to want to watch competitive football where you're playing good football teams and you're not going to play against the division twos and the division. What's, what's the term? The Jimmies and the Joe's or whatever, uh, whatever the On new brand. phrase that we use for it is. But like, I think that like if FAU can find a way to be good and be competitive and put together a, 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 got the word I was trying to say. But if they can find a way to put together something that people want to go watch, you're talking about more attendance, more more notoriety in an area that is so starved
1: for good football right now. So, paint paint the picture for me because I know we talked about, you know, the the familiarity with a bunch of these schools with these AAC teams, but the reality is you know this is a six new schools coming into a new conference that has some familiarity but but it's a it's a it's a new entity that's kind of especially with the departures of Houston departures of Cincinnati it kind of feels like maybe it's more up for grabs than it might have been and everyone's like let's have the good year 1 FAU has a new head coach, a probably new quarterback, a lot of new a lot of new players from the transfer portal. Like paint the picture of you know maybe the the upcase but just the reasonable case of like what, why do you believe or not believe that FAU can be that South Florida program that actually makes a mark and plays that competitive interesting brand of football soon.
2: So so here's my concern with this is right now, it's looking up for FAU as an athletic institution. And you you have the men's basketball program that just went to the Final Four, played in Houston, played in front of a national audience, uh, and was unfortunately one shot away from playing in a national championship. But then you look at the football team over the last three seasons uh, during the Willie Taggart era, and you go, okay, where well, there's a lot of work to be done. Because this is a team that's won ten games over the last two years, and this is a team that's missed the bowl, missed a bowl game for two straight years, and we can go into expectations for a a smaller college football program and what's a realistic expectation. FAU had the talent to go be a bowl team for two straight years and failed to do it for two straight years, and so it feels like this is going to require a a year or two of natural transition and that's my biggest concern in terms of trying to mark yourself as a marquee program in South Florida, because eventually it is my belief that Miami is going to get their act together. They, they have taken too many of the right steps and this is not a Miami podcast. So I'm not going to go too deep into it, but they've taken the right steps to be a, a marquee football program again. And so FAU needs to start being good early because, you need to mark this transition into the American with sustained immediate success. You can't go five and seven your first year and expect people to want to care about your program. You can't go six and six and maybe care uh, expect people to care about your program. There needs to be immediate success. And so I feel like there's this sense of pressure. Uh, maybe it's just what I'm fearing. And I I don't know what the the expectations are within the football program, but For me, there's like this sense of pressure of we need to be good immediately. Tom Herman needs to have success immediately because if you go six and six, are people in South Florida going to want to care about your program? Are they going to care about Florida Atlantic football? Or is it going to still be Miami if they go six and six? So, like, there needs to be success immediately. And I don't think that needs to be success in the sense of, like, winning the American in year one. Uh, but there needs to be some sort of baseline of if we can go 8-4 and four and be really competitive and be competitive against a Clemson and take it down to the wire, maybe we get more people wanting to come to our games. But there needs to be something that fans from this area, the casual fans who are not diehard Miami fans or diehard FAU fans, that middle group, there has to be something for them to want to come to Boca Raton and watch an FAU football game.
1: And hiring the former Rice head coach was the best way to do that. We understand.
2: Yes, uh, because of course Rice only produces great football coaches. Um, Noted. And anytime you can we can get that get- on the record? Can, we'll pull that clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we can pull this clip at any time a uh, a Rice coach gets hired. We can just play this clip on repeat for the next six the cra- years. The cradle okay. of coaches—they're always calling it. I hear. Yes, We're coaching hotbed, as as some would put it. <laughs>
1: But I, I think it's interesting because Tom Herman and I'm, I'm sure you've discussed this uh, previously, but but kind of your 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 Cliff Notes version of FAU makes the decision. I've already like in two years, I'm going to have forgotten that Willie Taggart was ever a head coach at FAU. Like in my yeah. mind, Lane Kiffin was just there and then something happened and then they hired uh, Tom Herman. That's kind we of where
2: it's been. We we all took a three year nap, and then it was Tom Herman. Everybody yeah, was on that's,
1: vacation. Yes, It's Boca Raton. <laughs> um, We're always. On but that. anyhow, the decision to to go and get Tom Herman from Special Assistant of Special Projects uh, with the Chicago Bears is that is that that's mostly right. Like uh, how what was kind of the reaction to to go grab him, and you know you kind of talked to expectations, but. Uh, obviously, the new coach is always the right man for the job. But like, what's the what's the real sense of, from your perspective, of will this work? Should they have gone another direction? What do you think? I think it was the right hire. Uh, looking at what they needed, there were sort of two
2: avenues they could have taken. They could have taken the old head coach, the quote unquote read Tread, who has experience and knows what it takes to build a program. Or they could have gone with the young, fresh mind, the Alex Galesh, uh, you know, to USF kind of higher. And there was a point where I thought they were going to do the latter. They were going to go find this young and up young and up and coming coach who can build this up as his own and has some really popular high flying offense that people like. But I don't think that's the right move for FAU because. If you need sustained success in college football, the best way to do it is find someone who knows what they're doing. And the the quote unquote on the job training is so much easier when you know what you've been doing. And Tom Herman sort of came in late in the process. Uh, For a while, I thought that it was going to go in different directions. And so even when I was doing my my hot boards of like candidates to watch for FAU, I don't even think I ever put Tom Herman on there. Because I didn't really think he was ever going to be a candidate. And that was when Colorado was interested. And, you know, obviously Colorado didn't hire anyone too big uh, for for their head coach job. But, Man, like,
0: I, I can't even remember. I've heard yeah. nothing about Colorado in the last few months. Weird.
2: Yeah, I, I you would think that you'd hear more about them. But uh, regardless, uh, like, I think that FAU needed to hire someone who has experience building football programs. And it did not end up working at Texas for Tom Herman. But Tom Herman built Texas up to be competitive under him, and they made it to—I uh, don't remember the bowl game. I think it was the Sugar Bowl, uh, where they played Georgia. And They're back. They are always back <laughs> until they lose to the small group uh, Power 5 team in the first two weeks of the season. But, like, Tom Herman is sort of the perfect hire because— he has experience building programs at different levels. He built Houston up to win the American and make it to a new year six bowl game. He built Texas up to be competitive. And for as bad as Texas was under him at the end, Texas also experienced their best season under him over, uh, over the last 10 years or so. Like, so is there a better candidate? I couldn't find one. When I was looking through the list of guys who made sense and comparing them to Tom Herman, personally i could not find a better candidate that's not to say there weren't good candidates but i think that when you look at what tom herman has done so far uh, and it's obviously a very loose sort of analysis because it's only been one camp which is spring camp and basically just attacking the transfer portal and building a coaching staff but i think he's done so well in both of those aspects of building something up that people are going to respect that like there's at least a baseline to go this is going to work out it may just take a year of transition between what they had last year
1: and what they want to be which is competing for the american and and with that i think you mentioned the transfer portal you know we've been it's been interesting to watch that kind of development post spring but i think among kind of the the bigger news items among AAC member schools in the transfer portal was the commitment of Casey Thompson, former Texas quarterback slash Nebraska quarterback slash is he as old as JT Daniels quarterback? Pretty old.
2: He's he's two FAU.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty damn old. Uh, is is he the quarterback at, at FAU in 2023? Kind of, what's the state of that position? Because I know it's kind of been, Nikosi Perry was a, a thing kind of for a while, but not much stability there for a good bit.
2: Yeah, I think that it is one of the bigger transfers in FAU history. And uh, I don't know if it's bigger than what Nicosi Perry was heading in because Nicosi Perry was very similar in the sense that he was a, starter for a power five program and he had seen success but i think that when you look at what casey thompson has done now at two stops with texas under i want to say it was under sarkeesian i think it was the first year under sarkeesian uh maybe the last year under herman i don't remember those those years get mixed up at texas but what you, you look at what he did with at texas and then moving that to nebraska with so much uncertainty around nebraska and an era of nebraska football defined by just bad play on the field. And he seemed like the only consistent piece to that offense at a time. And he seemed like the only part of it where you were like, okay, we have something here, him and like a wide receiver or two. It's felt like we're the only pieces that were like, okay, we've got something here. And so I think that when you bring that over to FAU and uh, you know, during spring camp, they had three quarterbacks throwing the football and one of them was to walk on Uh, that room needed talent. That room needed immediate talent. And so I would be utterly shocked if Casey Thompson is not the starting quarterback for Florida Atlantic for week one. I would be dumbfounded if he loses that job because I think that he brings you the biggest ceiling and floor combination for one year. And you need that sometimes. I think that if you're going to be a transition team, and we're going to talk about a transition. Let's get a quarterback who knows what he's doing. Let's get a quarterback who's played, who's played high-level college football before. And so it feels like Casey Thompson's going to be the starter. And obviously I think they're going to go through a, a competition of sorts through fall camp, and they're going to give other guys an opportunity to win the job. But I, I would be shocked if Casey Thompson's not the starting quarterback for week one.
1: These are the, the finger quotes, air quotes, podcasting, the visual medium, competition. Yes. I, uh, I.
2: It'll basically be like, a, hey, guys, we're having a competition. Then two weeks later, it'll be like, hey, guys, we had the competition. We all know who won. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't see there being much of an actual competition when spring camp starts. But I mean, look, I think we've been shocked before by what football programs have done and who ends up winning jobs that they weren't supposed to win. So, I mean, anything can happen.
1: I, I think it'll be Casey Thompson starting over week one. And then I was kind of looking through the roster of who was still there from my layman's eye. It kind of looks like there's actually maybe more pieces, at least sticking with the offensive side of the ball, that are still there that are good players coming back. So uh, is it would it be overly optimistic to say that this is a man if we just had good quarterback play, you know, high the what well, high tide raises all boats? Is that my nautical analogy? Is that kind of the missing piece? Or do you kind of see a couple other areas of improvement that FAU has to get on on offense this year to really take that next step?
2: I think they needed a quarterback first. And, uh, you know, a good quarterback raises bad play all the time. Uh, And if you have a legitimately good quarterback who can raise bad play, some of the issues on offense, and I think there are still issues with this offense, the way it's currently constructed. Uh, Looking at it personally, uh, you know, I, I think the biggest one is the wide receiver room because you lose Jamal Adrine through the transfer portal and he ends up going to Purdue and so you're left with Lajonte Webster, Jaquan Burton and then you need one more guy uh, and I will say that FAU is highly confident in a few guys in that room and they like some guys who are currently on that roster which is why I think that they haven't gone heavily after transfer portal wide receivers they did go out and get uh, Devin Price from Texas A&M but you know, it's it's a guy who didn't play much for Texas A&M uh, over two seasons or whatever it was for him. But, like, uh, you, when you look at that roster the way it's currently constructed on offense, I like the running back room a lot. And I think it's going to be up there for the best running back rooms in the country uh, with how deep it is, with how deep they can go. They can go three, four deep at any point. You feel really good about that room. You feel probably okay about the offensive line. I think it still needs to sort of figure itself out. But you have talent there. Uh, And so it's just a matter of giving it time to find the left tackle and find the center of the future because you lose both those positions from last year's team. I feel like the wide receiver room was sort of an incomplete evaluation for me. You have two good guys and then you sort of have question marks after that. And then the tight end room is, I just wrote about it, is a room that was defined by inconsistency and defined by upside. And so it's just going to take someone being able to separate themselves in that room. But the biggest issue was looking at that roster was, man, they didn't have a quarterback. You lose in Kosey Perry, you bring in Daniel Richardson, who is good, but it still felt like if you wanted to be a competitive team in the American, you need to find a quarterback who's going to be able to elevate you. And I'm not sure if Casey Thompson is going to be, end up being the best quarterback in the American because the American has quite a few good quarterbacks, but You needed someone who was at least going to be put in the conversation. And I feel like Casey Thompson puts you in the conversation for having the best quarterback in the American, even if it doesn't end up being true with some of the other guys that are in this conference right now.
1: Yeah, there's the guy in San Antonio named Frank Harris. I heard he might be pretty good.
2: I don't know, man. I I don't I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's I'm going to say that he's going to run all over FAU next year. And this is going to be clipped for. The entire year by UTSA fans, but no, like, yeah. I mean, you have him, you have Michael Pratt, who just ended up winning against that guy, Caleb Williams, who may or may not be good at football. Um, so like, it's a very good quarterback group in the Americans, but you need to find a way to put yourself at least in the conversation. I think Casey Thompson does that,
1: yeah. I think it's really interesting because I remember going back. Last year, year before, and kind of looking through the CUSA quarterback lists, and man, it got it got bleak really quick. You yeah, basically had whoever was throwing for five million yards at Western Kentucky, and Frank, uh, Frank Harris. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah, something else after that. Well, even like two years ago, like Frank Harris was not Frank Harris. He was this guy who had been hurt for three years, and I don't know. He might be good. We'll find out. Yeah, uh, I mean,
2: like it's sort of this completely different. I don't know if dichotomy is the right word, but I don't know. I, I I'm in this like mood of trying to use SAT words in every conversation that I use, but like this it, is
0: a Rice podcast, so we are
2: graded. <laughs> it's here. a safe space. Some of us <laughs> didn't go to you, Rice. You <laughs> will <so> be <laughs> evaluated. <would> you, yeah, <laughs> yeah at, at, the, at the end, I'll get a report card of all the uh, words used that if they make sense in conversation, but like. It's so different between the Conference USA quarterback room from last year and even two years ago compared to what Rice, FAU and the other teams are heading into. Because last year it was like anyone can be good and anyone can be considered the best quarterback in Conference USA because you didn't have any sort of baseline to work with. But now when you go into the American, you've got established quarterbacks at so many different teams that are just sort of like already really damn good at football. And it feels like quarterback is going to be the deciding factor for most of these teams. Like if FAU is good, it's probably going to be because Casey Thompson is good. If Rice is good, it's probably going to be because whoever is playing quarterback for them is good. And so like, it's this long list of teams that in the American looking at it from the wider perspective of like, they have question marks on their rosters. And outside of like, no, honestly, everyone's got a question mark on their roster right now. I was about to say outside of Tulane, but they lost half their team. But, yeah, like, everyone's got question marks on their roster, and I think it's just going to come down to who's got the best quarterback. Because at some point, your quarterback's going to have to carry you, and in a conference like this, where every team sort of has big question marks, I mean, SMU has big question marks, and they went out and got half of Miami's offense from last year. Uh, but, like, it feels like whoever has the best quarterback by the end of this is going to be the best team in the conference. And so it felt like a time where FAU need to find a way to get themselves at least in the conversation and be able to put a, put a card on the table of like, Hey guys, we've got the best quarterback in the conference. Even if we don't fully believe it, but Casey Thompson's really good. So we're going to talk about it as if he is like, you need to be able to put yourself in the conversation because that's how you're going to win this conference or even be competitive in this conference.
1: Well, and you mentioned question marks. I think this is one. I think this is probably similar for for where Rice is, but it's on the defensive side of the ball right now. That when I kind of look at what FAU was last year and kind of the pieces, you know, coming into twenty twenty three, the the pass defense for FAU. Uh, I guess it's probably they had some moments. Uh, they definitely forced uh, a good amount of interceptions, which which is good, but those aren't always sticky. But in, in general, I think that was probably one of the weaker spots of this team last year, just as a, as a unit. And you mentioned, man, that was against a conference that had, by and large, bad quarterback play. Um, do we start to get more more worried if we're talking about how good the quarterback play is looking in the AAC? versus, uh, I guess, you know, you tell me, a, a handful of new faces, but maybe the same core?
2: Yeah, I I think the defense is sort of going to be the biggest question mark for FAU, and the defense is going to have to be good because as much as I said, you know, a quarterback can elevate you and make you the best team in the conference, he's still got to have other pieces. You're not going to win every game 55 to 53 or whatever. So I don't
1: know, ask Tyson
2: Hilton. Uh, Tyson Hilton will try under every <laughs> might in his body to win every game 60 to 65. And the only person stopping him is himself. But like <laughs> outside of Tyson Helton and the just complete utter wackiness of that team. And I love it. Let's be completely clear. I Western love it.
1: Kentucky is one of the funnest teams in America.
2: God, they're stop. so fun. They're, they're so fun because it's like, you're watching them any minute and it's like, all right, cool. This is going to be a touchdown. And they're like at the, 10 yard line at their own 10 yard line. It's like, cool, 90 yard touchdown incoming. Can't wait. uh But I have big question marks about the defense. And it starts with the linebacker position because this is a room that has a whole bunch of like similar builds in there. And it's undersized linebackers who are athletic and can make plays with Eddie Williams, uh provided he's healthy. And uh, Jalen Westru came on r- late last season and looked like a a true college football player and had coaches talking about him being up there by the time he retires or by the time he not retires, but runs out of an eligibility of being one of the better FAU players. Uh, and This was for a true freshman. So like you have impressive players at the linebacker room, but this is still a room that's going to need to figure itself out because last season, it got pretty bad at the end of the year of like the linebackers were a concern. The secondary was a concern and it just didn't put itself together. So I think that like you added talent to the room for sure. You added talent onto that defense, and a new defensive coordinator with a slightly different scheme could change a lot of how this is discussed. But you know, it doesn't feel fair to sit here on on May fifteenth and go, "This is a better defense," without having any sort of basis to go off of. Because I still don't know about the pass rush. I still don't know about the linebacking room. I still don't know about the secondary fully like you have talent, uh, you know, Evan Anderson is one of the better defensive players in Group of Five or Power Six or whatever Mike Oresco wants to call it.
0: Now we're but... getting that good AAC propaganda.
2: <laughs> what, what what was the new thing you wanted to call it? Was it the Power? Uh, pa- no, it was just Power Five. Did you no, read not... the
1: entire open letter? I did. Uh, I don't remember all of it because (laughs) i i skimmed through after the end i need i haven't actually read i
2: i went through and read the entire thing and look i love mike oresco because he's the only man willing to talk and he's the only man willing to go yeah you know what i don't like this i'm gonna write a letter about it um but like you have evan anderson who was really dang good at football and also really big uh you have tj young who has been a consistent player for fau for four years now you have talent across the board but if you have three or four guys, you still have seven guys who aren't up to par. And so like my biggest question mark is, can you find those other seven guys who are up to par to where we're talking about a defense that's at least competitive because if that defense is competitive. This team can win eight games. This team can win nine games and be really competitive in the American. But if it's not, we're sitting here next year around this time going same problems that happened under Willie Taggart happened under Tom Herman in this first year. And it's going to have to get figured out. So. For myself, it's sort of like this big question mark of what they are right now on defense. And that needs to get figured out before we're we're done talking about this team as a a finished
1: product. Because right now, it's like just a big work in progress across the board. Yeah, and and you mentioned Evan Anderson. and And I was kind of looking through FAU's defensive numbers, kind of prepping for this. And I just remember, I think his first game back last year was the Rice game. Um, I think if it was. I'm remembering that, that correctly. Or yeah. North
2: Texas. It was one of those games. It was like really well, early or someone's season. I don't remember.
1: Well, he was a problem. Yeah. Like dude is such a good football player. But then I go look at, at the, the pass rush numbers and FAU 18 sacks was better than Charlotte and Louisiana tech. And that's it in, in conference USA last season. And just, and frankly, you
2: know, and, and frankly, being better than Charlotte on defense last year is not exactly an accomplishment. <laughs> it was bad last year for, for Charlotte. But
1: I could, th- I could throw at, stones, but I watched the Rice, the Rice and
0: Charlotte game. So. <laughs> uh, our, our Rice and Charlotte didn't play last year. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's actually true. It's I don't know what you're not. talking
1: about. That game never happened.
0: It's been expunged from history.
2: <laughs> I respect it. Just deny, deny, <laughs> deny. Never happened. Deny, deny,
1: deny. Oh, man. But yeah, and that's the kind of thing where you have a player that is that disruptive, and, and he's probably, as an outsider, I'm going to say he's one of the better interior defensive linemen in, in, uh, in the AAC. Yeah, and should be this year. And man, but like you mentioned, you said seven more guys. You're aware there's 11 on defense, so that's... That's a lot of question marks. The
2: the seven was sort of like a very loose number because I think it's probably more than seven. Like, I think if we were to sit down and actually figure it out, I think we'd get close to like needing five or four guys to figure this fully out. But that's still concerning. I mean, if you're sitting here with looking at it and going, well, we've got seven guys who we like. What are the other four? I mean, that's not conducive to winning. So it feels like just an incomplete product across the board. And I think that's why during the spring game, Tom Herman called or after the spring game, Tom Herman called this entire team and this entire process, a work in progress, because that's what it is right now.
1: And that gives you a couple of weeks in fall camp to get it sorted out and hope for the best.
2: Yeah. Um, like I, I don't know. Like
1: it's just a big question mark across the board. So in, and i know well have a, i know that fans always have a maybe ambitious expectation for what this should be and that's especially i mean i'm sitting here in houston i've seen a lot of not 500 seasons in a row now and that gets frustrating when they stack together uh but for fau you you talked about the hopes and dreams and what what you you know people want this team to be what do you kind of feel like as far as right-sizedness of expectations for 2023? You know, is there going to be, uh, I don't know, t- is tension? Is this going to be, because I feel like Willie Taggart, he came in and it was kind of like, if you don't have this going, now we're done. And by the time he got to year two, they was already chirping um yeah. is is there a bit more patience here or kind of how how do you kind of feel like the fan base is, is kind of prepared for what may or may not happen in 2023 so unfortunately and I don't want this to be considered a
2: shot at the fan base because I think every fan base is going to have high expectations for their fan
1: every fan like this is not an f that's not an yeah. f you statement that's so, an every fan base statement so i
2: think the lane kiffin years clouded real growth Because Lane Kiffin came in, he had one sort of off year, and then just won 10 games every year. Won the conference twice. Like There was a big difference between what we expect proper growth to be from year over year to what Lane Kiffin did, because Lane Kiffin was able at that time to do stuff that other teams in Conference USA were not doing. And he attacked the transfer, well, not really a portal at that point, the, the transfer market. To a completely different extent than other coaches did in group of five and conference USA. But
0: And that's that edge doesn't really exist anymore.
2: Yeah, at the same time, there's no way to gain that edge through the transfer portal anymore. Because if anyone goes on 247 Sports or on three or whatever the equivalent is and looks at the transfer portal, guys, there's like six hundred names there. Like More than that. Yeah, like at some point it's not really a, a way to gain a competitive advantage through there because every team is going through the transfer portal nowadays. And so, like growth is going to have to take a little bit more time. And so that's why I'm not here going, Well, you got Tom Herman. Uh, you need to win the conference this year, you need to win 10 games this year. But like, you can't also go five and seven, six and six. And that's what makes it so interesting. And sort of confusing because, well, if you can't go six and six and it be considered a successful season, you have to go seven and five or eight and four. In my opinion, like you have to be showed, you have to be showing growth, and showing growth in proper ways. And five and seven is not growth. And I would even argue, looking at last year's schedule, six and six isn't growth. Like it may be growth on the record books, and you may go well, we we won one more game than we did last year. Uh, I feel like you need to win eight games or seven games, which makes it a little bit more challenging because that's a pretty lofty expectation for a new head coach in a new conference for a team that won 10 games over the last two years but it's also a team that's very talented and it's a fan base that has high expectations for the program and so you need to find a way to put those high expectations not necessarily to rest but you have to find a way to ease those expectations. And I I just think the easiest way to do it is be like, yeah, guys, win seven, eight games, be competitive. Give us something to cheer for at the end of the year. That's better than six and six or five and seven.
1: Yeah. I don't know what the, the, the uh, just getting to a bowl for rice, even though and you got to clarify it now, six and six or a bowl game, what you mean, because you will get a uh, chirping.
0: <laughs> those if those are don't. different things now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you
1: don't clarify that ahead of time, I'm just letting you know, maybe from experience, maybe not. But uh, <laughs> uh,
2: everything counts.
1: Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? And I, I, it's interesting because I, I think this is a. I don't know. It's a good kind of stop in time of kind of all of this transition happening with the sport and with these programs in particular. And I don't know, man, I just, to some extent, I I don't know where this is going to go for FAU, for Rice, for anybody. I kind of feel like we're going to look up in five years and everything that we thought was going to be there is going to be gone. It's going to be something else. So I don't even...
2: (laughs) It feels like... Whoever is successful early on in the conference from these, what is it, six new teams that enter. Whoever is most successful in the first two or three years of this transition, before the money really starts to become changing, like program changing money, because of the way that it's sort of structured with the new teams not getting the full uh full pot of like earnings. But like it feels like whoever is successful early on is going to be most successful when we look back at it in five to 10 years, because there is this sort of uncertainty in the American as a whole uh, with UCF and Cincinnati and Houston leaving of like, someone has to separate themselves. Someone has to become the new good team in the conference. And is it Tulane? Is it SMU? Or is it a UTSA and FAU of one of these new guys who have lofty expectations for themselves and lofty goals and lofty ambitions, but haven't been able to put it together. And I think Rice even sort of falls in this conversation of like Rice, we look at Rice and we go, Rice can be really good at football and it's a team that can be super successful at football, but it's sort of similar to FAU. They just haven't been able to put it all together yet. And it's, you're looking at it as like a, almost an incomplete evaluation And when you get to the American, I feel like it can't be an incomplete evaluation for much longer. Uh, You know, the expectations are going to change where you're going to want it to be a little bit more than that. Seeing where the American took programs like Houston, uh, UCF and Cincinnati to the big 12 and, you know, being able to play quote unquote power five football. So like, it feels like the, idea of like being an incomplete evaluation is no longer going to fly for these six new teams because you're going to want to be able to separate yourselves from not only those other five teams, but also the rest of the American. And you want to be able to make yourself an intriguing option for whatever the next era of conference realignment is, because it's inevitably going to happen again. It's just so like weird to be like, well, what is that, that next part of conference realignment? And, You want to be a part of that in some way.
1: Do you think the FAU contingent is already kind of secretly painting their signs for AAC 2031 or whatever, whatever year their uh, grant of rights is up and they start expanding?
2: I'd hope not. God, I'd hope not. Like, I I don't want any of these new teams to get ahead of themselves because uh, let's be honest, guys, none of these teams are like, guaranteed to be good over five years in the American I feel good about UTSA Think keep Jeff Trailer. not a guarantee UAB is an ultimate question mark like I don't feel like these teams should be focusing on anything other than like just being competitive this year and focusing on the next three years to three to five years of like how do we build a sustainable program because that's going to be sort of the biggest thing of of what is considered to be or what's considered in the next conference realignment, like you're going to have to be competitive. You're going to have to be able to be competitive early on. And well, right now it's like, I feel like all these teams have big question marks as to
1: what their competitiveness is going to be. You're getting me anxious. And we're like three (laughs) months away from four months away from football.
0: It it feels like like we're on the, on the (laughs) precipice of kind of a major organizational change in college. Yeah. how the sport is run. And For programs that are at where these programs are, you can't count on being like your place in the, the the structure of it, like nothing is guaranteed there. So I think it's, um, I don't know, maybe it sounds like some, uh, some self-help advice, but you kind of have to just be where you are and focus on like, what is the best we can do to prepare the program as it exists
2: you kind of have to embrace the now more than the future because no one knows what the future of college football holds. Like it, it, without wanting to sound like a conspiracy theorist or like one of these like really deep podcasts that get into like the nitty gritty of life. But I want to
1: see where this is going.
2: (laughs) But like, there is so much uncertainty that needs to be figured out because We still don't know where the big time programs are going. Are we going to a quote unquote power to structure of the big 10 and the SEC being the being the guys? Is there going to be a third conference in there? Are we going to keep four conferences at high level? Like we don't know anything about what happens in 10, 15
1: years. What are we doing, Mike?
2: (laughs) Yeah, like Mike can sit here. And again, I love Mike to death, but like you can see. I'm a big fan. Yeah, we're, we're getting rid of the power five moniker and we're, we're getting rid of these phrases. We don't know what happens in 15 years, guys. <laughs> we don't know what happens. <laughs> I don't know if any of us expected football to change this much in the span of a year, let alone 10, 15 years. And with all the rumors that are coming out, it's like there's so much uncertainty in college football that it feels unhealthy and unwise to sit here and go. Well, in 15 years, FAU can be this or Rice can be this or whatever, because we don't know what football, college football looks like in 10 to 15 years, because all it takes is one conference and one conference commissioner going, I'm sick and tired of how things are run. I'm changing it. And I'm going to flex my money and my power to do that. The SEC did it with Texas and Oklahoma. The Big Ten did it with USC and UCLA. What's the next move in this process that changes the way we view football? Because that's going to be the biggest decider for the teams currently in the American who are looking to either move up or build a better, I guess, stature for themselves of like, this is what we are. Because in 15 years, what, what does football look like for an FAU or a Rice comparatively to what it did 10 years ago? Uh, and so it's just sort of so much uncertainty of of what it is, and, and it's just so challenging.
1: I'm going to go ahead and put a ticket down somewhere that Rice would be a part of the National Athletic Conference, or, or something else, <laughs> generic. <Yeah, laughs> we had USA, we So I think we need national. So. Yeah, we. well, you know, the Conference
2: USA was no fun. Uh, the American is no fun in terms of name. We need something that's like a really cool acronym. That's just like, damn, this rules because, my biggest
1: like, gripe with the American is I don't know if I'm supposed to call it the American or the aAC and like just like wh- whether that's writing or just like casual, like yeah, I don't I, I don't know what the style
2: guide is for the American, yeah, I, we Mike,
1: <laughs> we need the style guide <laughs>
2: we 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 need one of those media guides where it's like very clearly defined. I think it was like eastern or e c u that's like we want to be e c u, not East Carolina. And I was like, okay. All right, man, chill out. Chill there are out. a few
0: like that 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 are absolutely you you? insistent that you <laughs> never uh, refer to them in any kind of branding by the full thing. Like I think
2: Charlotte, Charlotte does not want to be UNC Charlotte under any circumstances. Um, UCF does not want to be referred to as the Golden Knights, and they make that a very big reference on their page, which is why yeah. I call them the Golden Knights, because it gets everyone <laughs> mad. But... Um, yeah, it's like just. I feel like we need one for the American. That's like on first reference, we're the American Athletic Conference. Then we're the AAC because, like, I don't know, are we the American? Are we the AAC? Are we the Amer the American AC? Like, what 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 are we calling ourselves here, guys?
0: This is good. This is we need, what we need, we need. We need brand identity here.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm Says sure the conference with 50 new honest.
0: membership year over year.
1: I'll be
2: brutally honest. I'm sure it exists. <laughs> i have not bothered looking but i'm
1: sure it exists <laughs> here this is good podcast content right let's see aac media style guy do we get it
2: does it exist i don't know all good podcasts are prepared for this or something
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'm getting the american alpine club brand right. style, oh. but i don't think that's us
2: so until further notice the aac
1: is the american alpine club all right done that's we what go. we figured out <laughs> all right um before we close things out uh we're we've run everybody through this in years past we've uh spiced it up a little bit but we do have to play the lightning ground lightning round because putting you on your feet is much more entertaining podcast for us maybe than it is for you and well, people unfortunately like to I'm to
2: sitting it. down so do I need to stand up for this or I need like stand you know, up this to stand know, this is your choice
1: you just need to be prepared <laughs> I some, well, some crunches. I'm not prepared
2: but I'm not prepared but let's do it
1: all right, <laughs> you, you, you ready enough?
2: I am ready enough for whatever you throw my way, as long as... All know. right,
1: this is going to be scored along with your word usage, and we'll provide the report after the <laughs> podcast.
2: <laughs> I'm not ready for that report, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. All Okay, right. got a handful of questions for you. Uh, tip of your tongue, first kind of thought. Um, so we'll start. Uh, FAU 2023, who leads the team in touchdowns?
2: Uh, Outside of the quarterback, because that's always the answer, uh, Larry McCammon. Pretty sure? Uh, Fairly sure on that one.
1: Seems like a slam dunk. Uh, On the other side, who leads the team in sacks? Chris Jones. How sure?
2: Not very sure.
1: Did you make (laughs) up the name Chris Jones? Is that a real person?
2: That is a real person on FAU and also on the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe. There's a lot of Chris Jones in football. (laughs)
1: Yeah, seemed pretty generic. Okay, uh, going a bit deeper. uh, One person on the FAU roster, that's not going to be a preseason all-conference selection anywhere, but uh, he probably should be. Ooh.
2: um, Jalen Wester. uh, I don't think he'll get it on the American, but I think he should be because he's that
1: good. All right, then bigger picture American. uh, AAC player that you just enjoy watching the most or will enjoy watching the most this year?
2: Uh, So I am legally obligated to mention Michael Pratt because he is a South Florida man. And until further notice, I have to mention every South Florida man outside of Michael Pratt, uh, Rashad Wisdom from UTSA. Because the fact that he's returning for another year makes it so much fun. He's such a fun player to watch. He's one of those safeties that you have to watch every Saturday.
1: He's still there. I mean, I know (laughs) he
2: I, I think he got hurt last year, which is why he chose to return. But good for him. He's still
1: there. Curses! College
2: football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the real reality of college football is that, like, we're still talking about guys for four years now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Brad
2: members Roger of the is class like... of 2008. Are we I sure JT Barrett does not have an extra year of eligibility?
1: Because I'm sure we can get him one.
0: I'm pretty sure Brad Rosner is like 28 years old at this point, so. <laughs>
1: Maybe. I, I I was informed a, a couple of months ago that there are members of the team that do call him Grandpa. That's awesome. I don't know if that's ever been said on the podcast, so sorry, Grandpa Rosner. Oops. Sorry, guys. Mr. Rosner. It's OK. I'm Sir. not the first. <laughs> Sir. Um, uh, back, back to the list. FAU specific. Rookie of the year. Newcomer. New guy on the block. Well, Casey Thompson's the obvious answer, right? Yeah, but he's he's old. <laughs> he's so yeah, mean? he's he- also
2: old. So I'm going to go with someone who's not as old. Uh, another transfer, Kobe Lewis. Uh, I think he's going to be really good for FAU this year. Running back.
1: You're going to sh- split time with uh, Mr. McCammon. Yeah, um, I think they're going to yeah. go three
2: deep. I think they're going to go three deep at running back.
1: Ooh, like an actual three deep.
2: Yeah, like I think Zuberry Mobley, Larry McCammon, and Kobe Lewis are huh. all going to get a a
1: lot of touches. It's going to start me making, think of uh, the Lane Kiffin FAU offenses.
2: Yeah. We don't know who's running the ball in Lane Kiffin's offense, but someone
1: is somebody is all right. Uh, team MVP. Is there a problem if it's not Mr. Thompson?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say but it's if... a problem because I'm going to go Evan Anderson. Uh, because I think that he changes so much for the defense. <laughs> all
0: right. And Casey then Thompson's to...
2: a close second. Casey Thompson's a close second.
1: Hey, I, I'm 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 going to get you on the record for both, and if either ticket hits, you can cash. Okay. All right. All right. And then non-FAU division, you got to pick somebody to win the AAC next year, or the American, or the Alpine Athletics Club Club. Uh,
2: I'm putting my money back on Tulane. That coaching staff's too good.
1: And then uh, anybody out of the blue that you kind of have uh, eyebrows raised or you're, you know, casually interested in from afar, uh, either a newcomer to the conference or somebody else that isn't the national brand, uh, a surprise team in the AAC in 2023.
2: I'm going to go off the rails because of how bad they were last year. USF intrigues me with that new coaching staff returning a quarterback who was... Now that is
0: a spicy meatball.
2: I I don't know if they're gonna like <laughs> win the conference or anything, but like, I think they can be competitive, which makes it all that much more fun. That is interesting. Yeah, like I'm I'm not gonna sit here and go the the USF's <laughs> winning the American guys pack it up or the uh the the Alpine Club. Like I I'm not gonna sit here and do that, but like, can they win six games? I don't think it's completely off the table. That team got better during the offseason.
1: It's funny because when I looked at the Rice schedule for this coming season, I saw USF on it first AAC game for Rice. I kind of did a double take because we thought about, oh, yeah, rekindling all these old rivalries. I'm like, (laughs) okay, we'll play Navy. We'll play Tulsa, Tulane. The the new rivals, the old rivals. Who's the first one? USF? (laughs) Sure.
2: Sure. (laughs) Woo! I think I think if it makes you feel any worse, I'm pretty sure FAU's first uh American athletic conference game
1: is actually just Charlotte.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking this up now, but I oh, think it was just
1: Charlotte. Oh, that's bleak. Just and that's what it says in the brochure too. Just Charlotte.
2: Oh no, never mind. Uh, change of plans. It is in fact uh Tulsa, I think. Which I mean, okay. sure. Tulsa's a thing. Yeah, so Charlotte's like way down on the board. <laughs> oh my! I, I just realized that they go through a stretch of games where they play UTSA, Charlotte, and UAB in back to back to back weeks. <laughs> Welcome to the American, where we just play the same team for four straight years.
1: While hey Rice, subject, uh, Rice closed the season last year, I think, on a run of four or five future AAC teams.
2: Oh God, this is such a weird schedule for FAU. <laughs>
0: i just want while we're on the subject as a a side note uh if there are any parents of young children listening to this podcast someday your kids are going to grow up and look into their history and i want you to be prepared now for how you're going to explain to them that in 2007 usf was ranked number two in the people
2: and if you're not prepared for that yet let me just offer you another explanation don't tell them just let them find it out naturally It's a lot better oh, that you
0: shouldn't you, you shouldn't tell them. Like, if you tell them, like, it's going to be too early, you got to let them find it on their own. Yeah, they, they It could they be need traumatizing to be, they need to be if you, deep if into you the let weeds, it happen too quick. Um,
2: they need to be deep into the weeds of, like, college football Reddit in 10 years and go, uh, Daddy, Mommy, who is this USF who was ranked two in 2007? And then we can just go into a deep conversation about how weird of a year 2007 was for college football. But... You can't inform them about it. They just need to find out naturally like everyone else did.
1: I'm sorry. I'm like refreshing my memory because I
0: have no memory of this happening. Oh, yes. (laughs) It was a thing. It
2: It was a thing. (laughs) Uh,
0: By the way, uh, important research done uh, during the lightning round. From the American, uh, which, by the way, a a tip-off here that we perhaps should have noted is that the official website of the conference is (laughs) theamerican.org. Oh, yeah. There's a clue right away. I don't uh, check that. On the branding, uh, sorry, let me get the official name of it here, the branding and licensing page. Please note, whenever possible, the conference prefers the use of the American or American and not the abbreviation AAC.
2: Okay, so I need to change how I've been approaching this. So There's
0: the approach. official word from Mike himself.
2: Don't <laughs> look at the back. roost. Take it back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. I was 24 seven has never mentioned it as the AAC. I'll
0: yeah, I'll, not, I'll edit this. Much. I'll edit this out uh, so we can you know not get in trouble.
1: <laughs> yeah, but how do you handle it when, for SEO purposes, you need to make your headline a little bit shorter and the American is just too long?
2: <laughs> yeah, like I'm just gonna have to call it as the AAC.
0: It does say whenever possible," so I, I, I don't know. It's maybe never Mike, possible. Maybe, Come on, Mike. Maybe Mike <laughs> is savvy about these if, things.
2: What if? What if? What if we have to just call it the American Alpine Club until further notice?
0: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's definitely um, a d- distinctive branding
2: uh, I think, for a I
0: college think, football conference. So
2: <laughs> I think it would be really funny if a, a small chunk of American writers just decided for the next like month and a half to just call it the Alpine Club. And just see if anyone actually catches on to what we're doing.
1: Hey, just for the record, the vision of the American Alpine Club is a, a vision is a united community of competent climbers and healthy <laughs> landscapes. So it's like it's like hiking and climbing. I, do, I I don't know if that was my initial thoughts were, were but
2: I, there's there's plenty of references for football in that. Just gotta gotta find it out.
1: Hosted in Golden, Colorado. I think that's subtle uh, branding and a reminder that. Uh, whoever the head coach at at Colorado right now is going to be in the AAC a couple years. (laughs) Colorado is coming to the, the, the American. Sorry. Sorry. You heard that here first. (laughs) The American. We
0: We got to get these reps in before the season so we can call it the right thing.
1: Every, every
2: morning we need to look in the mirror and go, it's the American. It's the American. It's the American. It's the American until we just like, it's just second nature to call it the American
0: the like WikiHow how meme of the guy pointing like getting up close to the mirror and pointing at his own face like
1: you are the american
0: <laughs> we are all the american
2: i think we're coming up with great commercials for the american we need to license something <laughs> when this start happening
0: yeah <laughs> got to oh, make sure man. we uh, sell this sweet ip
1: <laughs> this is good I, I can't think of any any better way than I don't even think we told you, Kevin. This is our first of our get to know the AAC uh, opponents for
0: next year
2: uh, on the podcast. The, and you chose the guy who gets it off the rails immediately. Great job, guys. Yeah, <laughs> we got to start on brand.
0: Yeah, exactly. We.
2: <laughs> I I feel like last year we got into like a really like weird fifteen minute conversation about sandwiches.
0: That sounds. I don't know if it's factually correct. I, I'm legitimately unsure, but it does feel spiritually correct.
2: It feels spiritually yeah. correct, so I'm going to run with it until someone proves me wrong, and I'm not going back to listen to it. So, <laughs> I
0: was
1: talking to a Texan about Publix the other day, so maybe that's what puts you on my mind. Weird, I,
0: like cr- crossing the streams moment?
2: Well, see, the real crossing the streams moment was when I went to Houston for a week and was like, okay, cool. I'm now in the same place as Houston and Rice. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I didn't really like Houston.
1: <laughs> oh, come to come to South U. West uh, has, Man,
0: edit that out. <laughs> it, it has to grow on you. Houston's not a uh, Houston's not a visiting place. It's uh, Houston yeah, it is
1: fourteen different towns. You came to the, you went to the wrong town. That's
2: that's what I felt was like. I feel like if I had two or three weeks there to like really explore everything, I'd be like, damn, this place rules but I only had a weekend and like two more days to explore all that. It. So it's sort of hard to explore everything in a city where you go, all right, I'm in Houston. What part of Houston? There are parts of Houston. And yeah, you a weekend walking. around. Yeah, and in the, and the part not... you're in
0: is two hours away from uh, <laughs> the other stuff.
2: Yeah. It's like, it, it's such a weird place. Like I feel like, again, if I had a little bit more time or a car uh, that I could actually use and was not relying on Uber's, I feel like I'd like it a little bit more, but it was such a weird place.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, we're going to clip that, too.
2: To Go ahead. <laughs> I would be disappointed if it didn't show up on the internet in two
0: weeks. Of just like, <laughs> 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 Kevin Fielder hates Houston? <laughs> okay. We'd have a whole yeah. list of
1: outtakes yeah. on this.
0: Before we uh, go into a 20-minute conversation about tacos or uh, Kevin gets aggregated, we'll... Uh... We'll go ahead and wrap that again up here. So again. Uh, <laughs> so thanks to Kevin for hopping on with us. Uh, we always have a, a lot of fun getting uh, absolutely deranged on these pods. Uh but uh thanks to everybody for listening. Uh we'll see y'all again soon as we uh crank things up with our uh preview series for the season. So we'll see y'all then and rice fight. Go Owls This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.